From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. This is the best beer show on the internet, according to our mothers. (laughs) All right. So, Miles, what have you been up to these past couple of days, uh, brewing-wise? Not a whole lot? Not a whole lot. Just researching into a project or two that that we'll be getting started on next year. We have to still get the first project brewed. I was going to do that this morning and then didn't wake up until about 10.30. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a rough night. Um, What have you been up to, brewing-wise? Honestly, not much. I've been contemplating transferring uh, my my blonde into kegs, and I just got to get that done. I got to get tubing. I moved to tubing, and I just have not had a chance to get to the homebrew store. Uh, other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah, I've been doing research into a na- a native Naples beverage. Oh, I think you talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been doing a little bit more, and I ended up talking to the guys again, and it sounds like we're actually going to try and follow through with cool with making it eventually. Very cool. But in the meantime. I have something for you to try today. All right. Well, why don't you uh, tell us about it first before we before we go into it? Sure. Uh, so what this is is I have a friend who wanted. I I proposed making a beer for her, and she was all on it and described to me what she would want in a beer, and she said light bodied, stronger, you know, decent tasting, and so this is what I came up with. It's actually an American pale ale uh, with some honey. Okay. You want me to go through the recipe right away? Yeah, yeah, just go through the recipe right, right away. All right, cool. Um, again, this was a one-gallon batch. I'm going to scale everything up as if it was a five-gallon batch for Casey's sake. Uh, it would be 10 pounds of U.S. 2-Rel, 20 ounces of honey, and then the hop additions would be half an ounce of Cascade at 60 minutes, half an ounce at 20, half an ounce at 5, and then it was fermented with U.S. 05. Hmm. Those... The hop additions seem really light for an American Pale Ale. Um, I think partly I, um, I was half in my mind going with a, a blonde ale-ish sort okay. of thing going to. Yeah, uh, I think I think you have it miscategorized. Is is okay. the big thing here? Um, and I I believe we we've tried this beer one. Uh, at least I have yeah. tried this beer once before. You did, yep. Um, and I think that w- that was the big thing there too. Is it came out closer to a Belgian pale sure. or a Belgian blonde yeah. than an American pale? I think that's actually how I have it categorized <laughs> as a uh, as a blonde, not a pale. As a blonde, okay. Yeah, it it it's been so long. I've been misquoting myself for a yeah. while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's definitely Belgiany. Uh, aroma wise, I get you know those Belgian esters. There, it's it has a sweet aroma. Yeah, and it it I mean it smells great. I love I love the aroma, the appearance. It's that golden straw color. It's slightly cloudy. Another thing that you know kind of hints towards Belgian in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. And flavor wise, that there's this that hint of honey. It's sweet. It has it has some of that Belgian yeast character, but you didn't use a Belgian yeast, and I so know. and that and that kind of baffles me a little bit. I know, and we discussed this a little bit off air. 
just in general, now that we've had about five of my beers, all of which have used US05, which... It's a very estery Yeah, that's, that's what we decided, that, you know, as technically appropriate as it is, it was very inappropriate. Yes, yeah, it it's not a clean at all. No, and and so... And I, f- I feel like everything else is just really covering up any of that Cascade character. I'm not really yeah. pulling any of that yeah. through. It, it's a bit it's a bit aged at this point for being for being a Belgian blonde or a Belgian pale. Probably about six months old or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would imagine wanting to up the character just a little bit. I might even do so the same with the honey. You know, I honestly, I don't know if, I mean, if, if you like this beer change the style you're going for and you just recategorize it as a Belgian blonde and I think yep. you I think you hit the nail on the head here. Yeah. So I mean the biggest changes is, or one of the biggest changes I'd have to make is just what I decide to call it. Yeah. And so if I came here today and said this is a Belgian blonde ale with honey. Yeah, I think I think it's yeah, the right, I, it's I, there. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit of tweaking but not much. Yeah, and what's interesting is the fact that I used an American yeast and came out with a Belgian profile. Something's going on with that 05. I, it, I don't... It's such a weird yeast. It, it's it been bugging me, so I'm probably not going to be coming back to it very frequently. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Like, I'd stick with, you know, something else. I guess if, if you, you prefer the dry because you have it at the store. Yeah, yep. That and it's just... It's, so much cheaper. It is. It's <laughs> it's it's quite a bit cheaper. Like it's a, so much easier to a pitch of activate <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean a pitch of liquid six seven bucks. So yeah, and that's that's standard. If you want to get anything special, it only yep. goes up from there. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, uh, I don't know what what would you change about this beer. Uh, originally, I wanted the honey to come through more. I wanted it to be more of a. A honey beer instead of a beer that also has honey in it. Honey's one of those things where it's hard to get a good solid flavor. You have to use so much to get it. Yeah. And the flavor itself is so delicate, you have to be careful not to cover it up with anything else. No, and and that's true. And I think that's why I went a little lighter on the on the cascade because it wasn't supposed to be about the hops. The hops were just supposed to be aromatic and just give some rounded balance to the malt fr- malt profile, kind of soften it up. Okay. Um, but no, other things I would change. I might actually try using a Belgian yeast. Yeah, or even like a German Hefeweizen yeast might yeah. work pretty good here. Yep, something like that. Even those though banana no clove, freaking wheat in here. <laughs> it it doesn't matter that banana clove. I feel like would go really well with the honey. No, I I do too. Um, and so I guess it's it's surprisingly close to what I had kind of envisioned, and. Uh, it's it's got like this nice soft texture and taste to it, even though it's just straight two row. Yeah, N- like no wheat, no oats, no. Well, all your complexity else. is coming from the the honey and the yeast at this point. You know, and I'm actually kind of surprised. I never considered what the recipe would look like if I scaled it up to five gallons. Um, Twenty ounces of honey—that actually seems like a lot. It's a lot of honey. Yeah, I know. I only um, use like, and I mean that—that that explains the slightly thin body here. You know, it's, it's well, I guess not thin, but light as a light yeah, body. Yep. Um, and honey will definitely thin thin a beer out. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that was requested is she wanted it to be stronger. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what do you think about the fact that this is a little over 7%? It doesn't taste like a 7% beer. It doesn't. Uh, I'm not picking up really like any of the alcohol sweetness. Um, and it's it's not a hot booze, so I mean, you fermented it well, and it everything else in there covers it up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I've done well as far as the aging of this beer went. It's seen like virtually no light. Otherwise, it's been a re- in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I might take measures to try and, uh, have a more stable and solid fermentation, because, again, this was just ambient temperature in a yeah, living room yeah. or something. So. Cool. And we're here with Andrew Shaw today, who is going to be talking to us about hops and everything he's got going on at the university. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Andrew, why don't you just tell us a little about yourself before we dive in here? What's your background with uh, hops and whatnot? Well, I am a horticulture student at River Falls, and brewing is one of the emphases that I like to have. Um, all fermentation is okay. really important to me. So, viticulture as well as everything related to beer. <laughs> all right. Um, let alone odd and ends like sake and anything else. Kiefer, even we have a good dairy program here, so oh. it's interesting. It's interesting to look at world fermented products of dairy. Okay, well. very cool, awesome, yeah. So, Miles, you you had a you had an overall plan here, so why don't we stick with that? All right, fair enough. Well, uh, I just happen to know that uh, Andrew has been doing a lot with hops these days, yeah, and we've talked about being able to brew with them. And you're doing work with a professor at the university, correct? Yeah, we have an unfunded project, but we have such rich soil out at the Man Valley Farm, which is one of two farm labs at the university. Okay. And I have a personal uh, research going on with um, brewable pseudograins called amaranth, which is close to quinoa, which a lot of people probably know. But we have a hops trial out there, too, that my mentor for that grant is uh in charge of cool and so what she does is looks at how the environmental factors affect hops here and just specifically for this region how hops perform awesome and what uh what have we been coming up with on that note well we're in our fourth season growing and because it's unfunded there isn't too much that we can do with uh, weeding out unless we have you know, student volunteers. So most of the hops that we have are being tested for vigorousness, inevitably. Even though that's not the intent of the research, that's what we have. And so around the hops, we have the main vines that we have up, strung up on a 20-foot trellis. So it's a nice tall trellis. Not too tall, though. But we have a lot of volunteers that come from around the base that we can't pick off. So we have uh, energy going towards other small vines that are growing up the weeds. So most of what we end up having is energy diverted from the hops growing themselves. And so we have a little bit of a more challenged product. Uh, That being said, the product is still wonderful. So what we end up, I have some samples here too that we're probably going to discuss. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to, we have what, three, four, five, five things going on here at the top? Five varieties. Um, These are what have been, in production for four years. 
And the varieties are Chinook, Brewer's Gold, Cascade, Mount Hood, and East Kent Golding. And, and which ones work the best in, uh, in our area and climate? So for this, you have three that work particularly well and some that are adequate. Um, the Chinook, the Brewer's Gold are the highest producing, and okay. Chinook is the highest in alpha acids. And frankly, the cones looked... Um, this, they looked like the second prettiest of the cones. Okay. So they stood up to the weather. We had a very interesting weather pattern year from a lot of rain in the beginning, a little bit of heat, but mostly mild conditions, and more rain at the end. Have you uh, been able to do any like test batches with these at all? You know, most of what I have, all the samples here are dried, and I haven't gotten an opportunity to do more than one batch just because all of my efforts have been going into drying this product. Okay. Yeah, yep. He and I uh, had talked about being able to do to do this a little more um, promptly, yeah. but yeah. life kind of just gets in the way. It does. So what I ended up doing was a wet batch with just two-gallon wet batch with the Brewer's Gold, because that was the first that we ended up picking. Okay. Um, and Brewer's Gold is pretty nice because it's got only 5 to 9% uh, bittering uh, or alpha acids, yep, but sure. it has other bittering components that are pretty high. So it'll end up creating a good ale in yeah. whatever quantities you need to, but it's going to be a little bit different from just a straight alpha acid ale. So um, that's Brewer's Gold. At the same time, we picked Chinook because they were ready at the same time. And Chinook's actually a daughter plant of Brewer's Gold, but mm-hmm. the alpha acids are considerably higher in that. So the father was a uh, good alpha acid genetic type. Yeah, I'm um, not sure what the father is though. So these uh, that well, that test batch, how, how did it turn out? It hasn't been done yet. We oh, okay. ended up picking, uh, I think, two Fridays ago. Okay, and it's a Monday now. So so you got it. You got another. Well, so I got you're probably ready to bottle. Yeah, pretty much. About now. Um, so I'm getting ready to do that. I'm gonna set. It for a little bit longer, but probably at the end of this week or this weekend. Okay, it'll end up getting bottled. Uh, and you said that these are these are year four hops, right? Five. Yeah. Year, okay, these are year five. Yep. So, uh, have you brewed with them in previous years? Uh, I haven't got an opportunity. Okay. Opportunity to last year, um, these hops went to poor decisions, but because of their merger into the Bruce Distillery, yep. Uh, Veronica well, lost her connection there. Yeah, you'd know nothing about Bent Bruce Distillery, would you? I have a connection there. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't end up getting it out to them this year, and it's fine by me because uh, we have some international students. So it was, you know, their effort and my own Mm -hmm. to get these hops down, get all the quantities, and then uh, our professor didn't need any of the weight of it. She just needed the quantities and samples and everything. Um, And we don't have the technology to do. Uh, all of the alpha acid and essential oil testing, but we can get a good idea just from smell as far as what essential oils are present in mm-hmm. these, and then from our own test batches. Uh, when when you uh, when you shipped them out to uh, Poor Decisions, did they notice any uh, like distinct qualities of your ho- like hops? I know have like a I guess a terroir, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so regionally, they'll taste different from where they're grown. Definitely. Uh, I actually heard nothing about how poor decisions even use them, Okay. let alone you know the quantities or whatnot. And I know that last year was not particularly well for production. They didn't get an, an obsessive amount, I think, through all of the different 
varieties total, I think they might have gotten 10 pounds. Oh, okay. This year we got considerably more as far as total quantity, which was great. Do you think it had anything to do with all this extra rain we had this year? You know, I think the rain did help. Um, it was very year, West Coast this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very, like, west side of Oregon. But I think what ended up happening is the rain from this year and last year's drought really emphasized that difference. Sure. Um, now, what are some of the uh, climate qualities that a hop... Uh, likes to grow in uh well in germany what you end up having is you have a semi-maritime climate because all of europe's so close to the ocean so you have a, a little bit cooler and a little bit of humidity but it's usually not too humid but they still get a lot of heat in the summer times uh, and hops are generally a fan of rain they are naturalized to riverbeds and in germany they do get this consistent rain cycle from uh, it's not the North Sea, I believe it's the Baltic Sea Okay. from the north side. And that goes down into Czech too, uh, and Austria by way of Czech. So you find that in a lot of these noble hops that are grown in Germany and, uh, and Czech that we find a lot more a lot more weakness in the plant themselves. So we can't grow them here because they're not adapted for the West Coast climate or the Midwest climate. Because it would literally just be too harsh on the binds and the cones, yeah. et cetera. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, but I think there is some saws growing out in the East Coast. I think that's a semi-favorable condition. So, Like up uh, on the Northeast Coast? or Northeast Coast, okay. yeah. I think there's a little bit of production in Long Island. All right. Um, but other than that, I don't know much about the East Coast production. Fair enough. Well, uh, how do you think your hops turned out this year as far as quality? Uh, the Cascade was really good for quality. Um, I think we should open these up. Yeah, yeah, let's let's bit. open. Uh, uh, you want to grab the Cascade and we'll pass it around while we're talking about yeah, it? Yeah, which one is the Cascade? Cascade yeah. is the one that's unmarked. That would be this one. Yep. Okay. Cascade here. What do you smell, Miles? Yeah, grab fresh hops. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I gotta get my nose in here, and then I'm gonna open simultaneously the uh, Chinook. Oh wow, that's that citrus is just right there. Yeah, it's very, it's very high. Like I would call it a peaky note. If yeah, you know, we were doing wine, but it's got. Like a little bit of a pineiness too, so it's yep. a, a citrus pine that's really kind of prevalent. It, it, I mean, it's exactly what you're looking for in citra. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, cascade, cascade. Yeah. And well, in citra, you know, yeah, it's, citra, it's, you just citrus. a little bit of the grapefruit yep. too. Yeah, and then I think, uh, ooh, I hope you can repackage this because I'm just gonna rip it open. All right, we'll figure it out. So this <laughs> is the Chinook, and I have a little bit more of this as a test quantity, and this is um. It's been in the freezer, and I didn't get it down to the optimal, um, the optimal uh, percent weight of dry matter. Uh, I think I got it probably in the twenty-five to twenty percent. Yep. Um, of the original weight, so it still probably has, you know, eight. this smells fantastic. Yeah, this is it, it's good. It's um, 
it, it has almost kind of this mint quality. Not yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm picking up just like a hint of like a mint grassy type note. Yeah, grassy mint. Um, Ooh. And you got to see this guy. He's just getting into it. <laughs> well, you really got to stick your nose in there. But I think it has, this is, I think, pretty complex. Uh, the Chinook is, like I said earlier, high alpha acids. Uh, and we really can't detect a lot of those when we do the smell tests. Yeah. I think what we end up doing is mostly essential oil testing. And so we're smelling for all those, you know. Basically the things that give flavor yeah. and aroma. Yep. Um, but the thing is that Chinook is kind of high in these too. So it doesn't have a considerable amount of beta acids or other bittering agents in it. It has a lot of alpha acids, but then it has a considerable amount of essential oils too. So um, is, is this uh, a quality that would make a hop uh, dual purpose? You could use it for bittering this and is, or... It's very dual purpose. Okay. Um, and I actually have some of the figures here for this, and so the Chinook has uh, 2% of, uh, 2% oil as compared to the whole weight of the hops, which okay. is high. A lot of hops, like the Saz that we were talking about from, from Czech, um, is like 0. 0.06. Oh, okay. So this is, this is really high in the total, like, quantity of okay. oils. Uh, but from the oil breakdown of what the aroma is coming from, it's a lot of other, so it's not necessarily mycerine or homulene. It's it's not necessarily a thing that smells like hop. It's some of those other varying some yeah. of the other that weird. So then you get to start being a snob and you can put it in a snifter and just <laughs> <Yeah>. swirl it. <laughs> then you get the people who are like, uh, oh, I get citrus and mango. There's even some pear in there. Yeah. Oh. Why are Those you are talking favorite. about yourself, Miles? Right, exactly. No, this, that's like, that's me. <laughs> now, I'm going to pass you guys the golding. And this was one that we did not have a considerable amount weight of. amount or a particularly, you know, for me, it wasn't. It wasn't quality. a great yield this it year. It wasn't the quality I wanted either. But it still has a lot of um, floral and. A little bit piney notes too, so it's it's got a good, a good enough aroma quality to mm. it. So it'll do something. And this, this, this is what again? EKG. Yeah, this okay. is East Kent Golding. And so, I mean, the floral really stands out in that. So if you're using yeah, this it, would go really well uh, in yeah. a, in it's, an ESB. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of those one of those biscuity uh, yeah, English definitely. malts. Definitely, it's, it's got a lot of savory qualities. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit all over the place too, and I have the figures for that. But the total oil percentage of that is at most 0.8. Now I, you have these different um, different varieties growing. Uh, to what extent do you expect them to uh, produce differently given on a given a different cl uh, climate each year? Um, it depends. The total input ends up being the total output. So if you have a little bit of a uh, less humid environment and you have less clouds there, okay. like you would in, say, North Dakota to Colorado, you will end up with something that is a lot more presentable. And as long as you're able to keep the water uh, on the roots and keep them nice and happy, uh, you'll end up with a pretty good product. It's going to look uh, particularly nice and 
in kind of South Dakota range, as long as you can get enough water. That's okay. a really good environment for it. Uh, but that's the same reason why they like it out on the West Coast. But in the West Coast, they almost have a more mild uh, summer. So all of the cool air coming over the Cascades end up cooling it down just a little bit more. So they still have not that much humidity all the time, but they have a lot of um, sunshine and a lot of cool weather. So they get a lot of sun. And they're in the perfect temperature for themselves. So those are probably going to produce the heaviest. Um, it's questionable as to whether they're going to be the best looking, but they're going to be considerably better than here. Uh, and in you know the Midwest, we have to just worry about the climate because we do have more humidity, and that can be kind of unfavorable. Uh, okay. That and just the weather's bipolar. Yeah, it is. And you have certain things that can take out a large portion of the hops industry. I don't know if any of the uh, listeners know this or if you guys do, but Wisconsin used to be the largest producer of hops in the United States. Yes, mm-hmm. I actually did know that. I figured you guys did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a big downy mildew issue in the late 1800s that produced um, a massive, a massive problem for the growers and the entire industry basically got shut down within a matter of two years but the government of wisconsin ended up starting a dairy program for cheese that put farmers back to work and that's why wisconsin is known as the cheese state cheese state interesting that's actually really cool we could have been the hop state damn it (laughs) well and there's a lot of people who want us to get back there because wisconsin is the beer state. We mm-hmm. have. Well, I mean, even in just the so last much. year, there's like five new hop farms that started locally. Yeah, River Falls is just booming, blowing um, it up on the map. Yeah, we have everything. Yeah, uh, organic even down by the Kinney, uh, right on the riverbank. There's a beautiful little hop farm, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's <laughs> set right right off the highway, but far enough where you can still see it, but it's not really that, yeah. that close. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's really exciting. I know that a lot of people end up talking to uh, our local brewers, Rush River, yep. about trying to get them some hops. And it's it's hard because of the drying process. They yeah. can't hold it around. You need a pelletizer. So that's where uh, the actual industry comes into play. And having cooperatives like in southeastern Wisconsin, uh, in southeastern Wisconsin helps to produce more usable year-round products so we can keep it local and be able to supply our local brewers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I know well, I know that there's um a story from one of uh Minnesota Public Radio, I believe, or the Star Tribune. I can't remember which. And I think it might have been crossover from both. But Minnesota only has twenty acres planted from what they stated. Really? Minnesota only has twenty acres planted, but something like in, in, in the hundreds of uh, microbreweries. I don't know the actual number. Oh, yeah, they have a stupid number it's, of microbreweries. Yeah, no, I mean, the demographic is they get Just a in little, the cities alone, there's probably 20 the cities, or 30. They get a little more than one a year opening up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a huge need. And western Wisconsin is so close and accessible, but we do have these valleys that channel more wind just a little bit. And so we can get a little bit more movement of air, which... Cools it reduces, down. It cools it down and it reduces the uh, possibility of fungal infections. So okay. it's less likely 
given some resistant cultivars that have been on the market since the 1800s when the hops industry got shut down here. Uh, you know, we have some resistance, but we also have cultural requirements. So we try to space them out a little bit more here so we have more airflow yep. and have more, less binds uh, in concentration on each row. Cool. Um, so do you think, so right here, we're kind of away from any major bodies of water, but if yeah. we got closer to like the Great Lakes, do you think that would emulate more the, uh, like the, the East Oregon Coast or, or, well, no, the West, West Coast, Coast. just cause yeah. you're, you're on a large body of water. Mm-hmm. So you have that air, like the wind coming in off the lake. And yeah. And it depends on which side you go on too, because you can get a lot of that cooling effect on the East side without a lot of the rain. Okay. Um, but still with the considerable more amount of rain than would be not in the Lake Superior area. Yeah. So in and around Duluth and up there, it's it's pretty good, but they have a lot of rocky bases, so they mm-hmm. don't have the kind of loam that we have here. So the soil okay. structure down here is really nice. Um, I would say that a lot of these hops that we grew kind of have a similar earthiness to them. Okay. And that is that... Um, it's such a it's such a rich, little bit clay, but loamy, sandy, silty, just the perfect soil out here. Yeah, um, and that's in Man Valley, just a little bit west of River Falls. Okay, uh, still in the River Falls Township though, but it's uh it's one of the best in the country for for growing. So, given good uh, conditions for specific hops varieties, it could be you know an excellent producer. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's the future for the university program? Like right now, you said you're unfunded and it's all volunteer. Yeah. Um, well, what we're trying to do, me specifically, is uh, try to get a little bit more of an uproar for brewing. Uh, we have a professor that is a huge microbrewer, and I really enjoy talking to him. He's the the bee and pollinator club advisor and i happen to be in the being pollinator club uh but i just cut down some of his cascade too so i don't have any of that here because i don't have it dried yet but it's drying okay um, as we speak and it looks pretty good but he had a lot of uh a high population of vines so there's a lot smaller cones sure uh, still good for for aroma mm-hmm. but he is really interested in microbiology so he has really cool yeast samples And I think one of them is a Sierra Nevada brewery sample from the 1970s that he's continued to propagate and repropagate. And in, I think it's plant pathology or one of the other microbiology courses. We don't have microbiology courses, but one of the other uh, biology courses, they make beer. They don't really allow it to ferment there at the university or drink it, but they get to go through the process of making they, brew and they make wort pitching. Yeah. They make <laughs> warts. Well, they, they, they go to the yeast pitching phase. Well, so, as, uh, well, as soon as you pitch, it's considered by law beer. Yeah. Well, so. it's, uh, yeah. 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 There, there's as, a legal and there's a realistic. Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but as, as soon as, as soon as it's pitched, yeah. it is yeah. beer. Anyways, they have a program set up that they've kind of wanted to implement and they've tried to but they haven't gotten it through and it's a microbrewing class or a brewing class and so the curriculum for that is you know your basics water barley hops microbiology and so you have all those components there 
and they want to consider it a biology course and I want them to as well. Uh, but for my purposes, I wish they had one for each of those topics and had a little minor of brewing. Yeah, well, like, a, I think River Falls would be primed for, like, another Siebel Institute, yeah. like, in Chicago, like, yep. an actual brewing school. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a farm college. Brewing and farming go together really well. Well, in Wisconsin, goes and really yeah, well. Yeah, there are plenty of farmers that decide they need to brew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They do a lot of farmhouse ales. I see what you did there. <laughs> I like it. I love those Belgians. Um, one of the other things that we have going on is uh, right next to the hops plot out there is a plot that the same professor who's in charge of the hops is using for the U of M's winter barley um, study. So I don't actually know if it's malting barley. Some of it might be. And I know the grain's going back to the university for the continuing research, but it's a step in the right direction as far as testing barley out here goes. Yeah. Okay, so what is winter barley? Um, so there's a couple different types of grasses that are used for production of grain. Uh, wheat, rye, barley are some of the main ones. Mm-hmm. You know, rice and others, oats are mm-hmm. also used. Um, and all of these are used in beer in different quantities and different styles. With barley... Up here in the north, it's more likely to be planted as a spring crop. That is, it's planted in the spring. It's allowed to go through maturity and harvest it in the summer. For winter barley, you plant it in the fall, and you let it overwinter, and then it produces earlier in the spring. So theoretically, for a brewer, if you have brewing malt, you can have your summer ales from your winter barley and have a different field that's spring barley and have that for your you know, fall and winter beers that you're brewing. Uh, It's really interesting, though, because the reason winter barley is, or, you know, winter rye or whatever, is better is because it's an erosion control. Uh, When you get it growing in the fall, the overwinter is going to keep the plants nice and... uh, Sturdy and solid. Keep them sturdy and... uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Stationary? Yeah. <laughs> it's a temperature control environment with the snow. Oh, um, okay. But the roots that they put in don't get washed away, and the soil uh, particulates don't go downstream when the mm-hmm. snow starts to melt off. Okay. And it infiltrates more, so those plants allow for more infiltration of the snow into the aquifers, which is you know really good. It replenishes the aquifers here, which is a kind of a an issue not as much as other places in the United States, but we have really good water here, and we love our water. Yes. And so that's something that is a concern to us. But aside from the environmental benefits, you know, you have a much faster crop. Mm-hmm. And so you can plant again for you know, as far as farmers are concerned. So you can do a summer planting of alfalfa and start getting hay for the winter, um, things like that. So sure. winter barley is kind of a good thing to have. And from a brewer's aspect, I think we should be looking to programs like this and Madison's barley program mm-hmm. uh, to see what we can plant. I know Madison has some releases that are malting barley, and if you're interested in trying to replicate the malting process, I think it's something that's a fun little fun little experiment. I've looked into it. it I just don't have the space. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's laborsome and there's space involved. Yep. Yeah. 
It also doesn't help that I have cats. That would not help yeah. at all. Yeah, sterility is always kind of a benefit there. Yeah. Just, just a little bit, right? Yeah. Anyways, I have the Mount Hood still to go. I don't think we've had okay. any of that. Um, if you guys want to take some, I have some too. And the Mount Hood was a decent producer, but it wasn't the best. And it has good quality, but it wasn't the best. So it's kind of an average in here. But it still has some, you know, woody, spicy, uh, piney notes. So this is this has got a little bit more of the spiciness going on, versus it has a little clovey aspect to it. Yeah, it's it's got the floral, the floral and the piney in there too. It's it's a little bit complex and it's uh they're small cones, but they did all right here. If the weather was better, I would say that they would probably excel if it wasn't so much rain. Uh, the final one that Miles is holding right now is the Brewer's Gold, and so that's. What's going to have a decent bittering effect? Uh, it's medium alpha acids, and it has other uh, of the beta acids and other bittering other agents. Other aromatic qualities. Yeah. Okay. And then it, this one has kind of the same uh, biscuity, spicy note. So it's not as floral as the Chinook, but it's got some real oomph to it. And so this is one of ours that produced the best. Um, and I think between the Chinook and this, this might have actually out, outweighed the Chinook but the quality of the Chinook is uh, more overall alpha acids. Yeah. Us smelling things is great radio. Yeah, it's, it's great radio. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it builds suspense and makes me right? wish mm-hmm. they were here all that yeah. much yeah. more. Well, they it smells awesome right now. It just smells like hops down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, we have enough to brew plenty of beer right, right in front of us. <laughs> yeah, right in front I of us. I don't know. Is, you should know. see... How much I have in my freezer right now? Oh yeah. From what's dried already, I have six pounds in my freezer and more to compress and get in there. So nice. We might have to do some uh, some scientific experiments. Well, with uh, we're doing a uh, well, we're doing our uh, our yeast experiment on Sunday. I think is when we're going to brew that. So if you want to come out, and nice. Maybe bring some hops to throw in. Yeah, I would definitely. Like we're to doing do that. a uh, uh, English bitter. Ooh, yeah. would you uh, want the golding for that? Yes. Yes. All right, yes. I like that. All right. That would be good. Well, I need to get rid of it, too. The golding is one that I just need a little bit for some complex IPAs, but other than that... If you want to get rid of it, yeah. I love making <laughs> yeah. English beers, so... <laughs> we have talked about that at Ex- length. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite style to brew, so... Um, well, before we before we wrap up here, I just want to touch on this quick. Um, you mentioned that you were doing some alternative grain stuff, and yeah. I'm sure we'll do a, I guess, a gluten-free episode yeah. later down the road, but if you just want to touch on that for a few minutes. Yeah, so uh, what I'm researching right now, amaranth, is a high-protein, gluten-free pseudo-grain. So it's um, an ancient grain from South America. It's kind of naturalized all over the world. And what I'm doing is some similar evaluations for the Wisconsin area like we did with the hops. Okay. So this is my first year of this, and I'm hoping to get some results as far as what's good with lodging, what's going to produce in this shorter environment, um, you know, and just all around total weight of seeds. Because you can give them more nitrogen, but they're not going to create a heavier seed. They're just going to create more seed. And so it's kind of different this way than with corn or something that people might be more familiar with. But it's really good because it's a little bit drought tolerant and, you know, it's a good crop. And so that's why I like it. But as far as gluten-free aspect, uh, it's really, really high in carbohydrates and they're complex carbohydrates. And it's not particularly hard to malt it. 
Okay. So it's a, it's a really fast germinator, and you can see quite defined uh, when all of the radical is about to emerge because you see it on the outside because it's a clear oh, coat. Okay. So it's it looks like a, a white grain, and that's because it has lost a black coating that some of the wild varieties around here have. This is good with others, and starches and different types of simple sugars really compound, and you have to use all of them. Because if you just used amaranth, all the protein in it gets it really nice and gummy, and so it's hard to work with if you're just doing amaranth. But things like teff and millet complement them really well. Teff's uh, a little bit more of a molasses-y taste, so if you're trying to do a dark beer that's gluten-free, this is something that's really good. And then uh, millet is one of the classics is one of the ancient grains from Asia and you know Europe and it's kind of originated everywhere there's a lot of different genre in the millet umbrella uh because it's just a common name but they're all relatively similar and they're all gluten-free okay um so this works as more of a regular as a regular kind of barley substitute it's got less protein but considerably more than wheat um or Barley, for that matter, because wheat has more than barley does. Wheat's a mess. Wheat, wheat is, wheat's kind and so of a mess. so is rye. Yeah. <laughs> they, they get hard to work with, but once you uh, get used to it, uh, it's something that's fun to play with, especially if you yeah. have, you know, a loved one or a friend who, you know, has something mm-hmm. terrible like celiac disease or Crohn's disease, and they are really limited in what they can do. Yeah. But it's a better option than some of the overly sweet ciders that are out there. I mean, yeah. I love I love cider, but everything out there is just they they don't make them dry and sweet, and that's that's the whole thing that I'm coming to. I want to go yeah. to England to do a little cider tour because I know that English varieties do really well in the uh, the bittering the bitter apples that they have. Are okay, really really good for the dry. All right, and so I mean nice. that's something I wish we could bring to the area too. But apple yeah. research just takes way too long. Well, mm. there's there's so many uh, like orchards and stuff in. In the in the area and in Wisconsin, that I'm surprised yeah. that there's not more cideries. Yeah, it's it's really kind of depressing, actually. I know some of them that are run down and they still have the apple trees out there. So there's, you know, really good. Just there's there's apples, apples just waiting there. They're just waiting there for um, somebody to go and start making alcohol. Yeah, yeah. But they are all really sweet, so you yeah, have to yeah. supplement crab apples or something in there to actually, excuse me, get up to the bittering. To balance them properly, or I think I think you could uh, like uh, back with acid, like maybe like a lactic acid or something, just to bring that yeah. out just a bit. I think that'd be really interesting, and that that might be the a short version. The options easier. exist, and clearly yeah. nobody's taking advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd also really be curious about how you could do um, the Burton style, based on you know the complexity of the water mm. to bring out the bitter, because I know that's one of the things that when you look at like the Burton style, not the actual brewing style. Bur- yeah, bur- Burtonized water. From- Burtonized water. Yeah, it is uh, it is supposed to bring out the bitter flavor more yep. out of the hops. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's something that could happen. And I even think cider with hops in it would be great. A hop cider? A hop uh, cider. Yeah, if, if it was done right. I think I've had one, and I wasn't the biggest fan because I, the hops just didn't work with it. Yeah, but I think I think if you had the right apple and the right hop, then maybe I, played I with it. I haven't had any hopped ciders, but I have seen a couple of hopped meads. Hop meads, yeah, yeah, definitely. And one of them sells for like thirty bucks a bottle, and we push through a surprisingly mm-hmm. large volume of it. Well, and you turned me on to that 
bizarre, bizarre brew from Dogfish Head, the Etruscan. Yes. That's it was good, but it's complex and malty and fruity and all over the place. It yep. just had so much going on there that mm-hmm. it's you know it, you it, act like it had fifteen ingredients or something. <laughs> It's not like it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dogfish head and your insane beers. It was one of their uh, ancient tales. Yeah. yeah. Those those ones get really interesting really quick. Very much so. So what did you guys think of the Brewer's Golds? I I liked it. This yeah, is the one no, that very, I have. Very floral. Um, yeah. Got it spicy. Was that the one we said it was yeah. Uh, yeah. clovey? Yeah, clovey a little, little clovey, a little spicy. So I don't know what to brew with this just because it's... It's. I've got so much of um, it. I want your guys's opinion. Man, just for the what record. would what would I brew with? A what would you brew with this gold. Brewer's Gold? Um, I, I guess I would start with a smash and see how it how it comes through. Do something like I would start with a single malt and single hop. And single. So I'd probably do two row and that, and then ten fifty six. Nice clean yeast. Yep. Just to get get a good flavor for the hop when it's in the beer, because smelling it and tasting it are two different things. Completely. Yeah. So. So you're gonna stay away from the US05. Yes, because that's a terrible yeast. We've discussed <laughs> this. That is the worst yeast ever. I don't know about ever. But no, it's, it's terrible. Not good by any means. He he made a uh, a pale ale and it tasted like a Belgian because of this stupid yeast. Ooh. It's an American yeast. See, I like I like the Belgians, but I think that's the easiest thing to do completely wrong. Or to just have yeah. it into a pile of Yeah. Pile of bubblegum and mm-hmm. garbage. Oh, <laughs> speaking of bubblegum, I just had a I just had a white IPA or uh, an extra IPA from one of the local breweries, which I'm not gonna name, but it was just bubblegum. I think it was ridiculous. It was uh it was so much up in your face bubblegum flavor that it was hard to enjoy any aspect. Yeah. Other than the bubblegum. Bubblegum. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should probably wrap up here, and then we'll do a little talking off the air about some stuff. Yes. But. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks so for having me on, guys. Yeah. yeah no, thanks for coming. We'll, we'll have to follow up more with your uh, gluten-free alternatives. Yeah. And, and some, uh, I guess, hop experiments. Yes. Yeah, we'll have to come back and try those beers. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, if you enjoyed this show or any of our other shows and you feel like you want to support us, you can do that by going to uh, patreon.com slash Studios, and it's like a recurring tip jar. You can, uh, as little as a dollar a month, every little bit helps, and we give you something in return, too, so go check that out. Uh, or you can f- follow our Amazon affiliate link on our homepage. You just go to blindedgestudios.com and click on the Amazon link at the bottom of the homepage, and uh, just do your regular Amazon shopping, and Amazon gives us a little bit of a kickback. Uh, If you have any feedback, questions, comments, or want us to taste your beer, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios, or follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week.